you all can kind of tell where this is going tonight. So I sent out an email to all of your parents. Um, some of you guys get those emails. I'm going to move this, uh, Megan, so it's coming over here. <clears throat> tonight, the, le the, the lesson title is called God versus the world. This lesson is about living differently in a world that tells you how to live when it comes to relationships. So we're going to pass out some papers here as well. Uh, but something I want you guys to do is listen very carefully. There's nothing about this that is a joke. This is something that all of us encounter throughout our lives. I promise you from the start of the time you're able to understand things till now, even at my age now, you still have to, you, this stuff is thrown up in your face. So imagine, imagine this, someone who has never been to our country, never seen our culture, was suddenly dropped into our city. Imagine he or she walked around the mall, listened to popular music, hung out on the internet, looking at popular websites and social media, watched a handful of movies and TV shows, and paid attention to the advertisements he or she saw on the storefronts and on our billboards. Then, he, then imagine that they asked you about the things that they saw or heard in our culture. It wouldn't take long before they mentioned sex and sexuality. Our culture, the world you live in, is saturated with sexual images and messages. Everywhere you turn, there's an ad or a movie or a TV show or a song that features some sort of sexualized images. Can, if, can everybody agree to that? If you agree with that, say yes. Yeah. Yep. So we're a culture that glorifies sex. Um, don't put that point, first point up yet, buddy. Hold on for me. <clears throat> it, it wouldn't take long. It wouldn't take long for somebody that just got dropped into our culture to realize that. The problem is that much of what is said and communicated about sex goes completely against and the opposite of what God says about sex and sexuality. That is right and good in his eyes. He made it. He set the rules and boundaries for it. If you don't know that, that is something we're going to learn about for sure today. As God's children, we're called to be like who? God. Having the same attitude and outlook on things, especially when it comes to our sexual morals. But to have God's same attitude, we must know it. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next three weeks after this. So you guys are going to be like, oh my gosh, by the end of February, I should like really know everything about this. But you guys hear enough of it at school. I know you do. You hear about it, like I just mentioned, in all those other places. It is high time, and we talk about it here, so don't even take it. But you should hear about it in church, too, from God's perspective. Who better than to talk to about these things than the person who made these things, right? The best person. The best person. I'll tell you, the best person to give directions to my house is not somebody who doesn't live there. It's to ask me, and I'll give you the directions. That's how God is. I want the directions to his house. Go ask God. This is part of it. So if you're going to, it's going to be a great time, I promise you. I've read through every one of these lessons, and I'm excited for this. And I've added a lot of my own stuff. Um, I won't tell you what it is. Bless you. So point number one, and I, if you guys are taking notes, as I encourage today with your Bibles too, because we're going to look at a lot of Bible verses, this is the first point. The world around us goes directly against God, especially as it pertains to sex and sexuality. 
We often use the concept of the world to talk about the parts of our world, culture, and society that go against God and God's ways. It's simply a way of contrasting the ways of God versus the ways of the world. Biblical writers use this terminology as well, and that's how it's going to look today when we talk about the world's thoughts on sex against God's thoughts on sex. You guys, I'm going to say that word a lot today. Get used to it. We'll be looking at a few verses of our own today in an effort to show how comprehensively Scripture speaks to the subject. The first passage we're going to look at is in 1 John. So go ahead in your Bibles, and you can do this on your phones too. Uh, turn to 1 John 5.19. Please only use your phones for this. This is very, very important. So here's a little context on, on the book. John was one of Jesus' disciples. So when we're reading the book of John, we're like, this dude was like right there with Jesus. John wrote this letter as an old man about 60 years after he had been with Jesus and after the crucifixion and resurrection. So 1 John 5.19 says this. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. This passage describes the difference between God's ways and the world's ways. We know that there are two forces at work in our world, good and evil. God is good and Satan is evil. God's ways and all things flow out of his character. And the same can be true of the world. As we consider how the world portrays sex and sexuality, it's important to realize that this separation is true and real. There's two different worlds out there, and they're both going. Well, the world part is just vying for your attention. So go ahead and turn to John, now the book of John, chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 10 and 11. <clears throat> and I want you guys to look at that as I read that as well. And when you are there, say amen. amen. We've got one, two, three. What verse? Uh, verses 10 and 11 is where we're going to be. Verse 10 says, he was in the world, speaking of Jesus, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I kind of picture Supergirl, so I just seemed kind of out of place. <laughs> like her, uh, her play, it was completely different. Um, every, at, I can't imagine bowling and getting strikes on every single lane at the same time. Um, that's just crazy. When Jesus came down here, though, he was like an alien to his own people. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. John is talking about how Jesus came to our world, but those apart from God didn't recognize him as he truly was. God's only son. How crazy is that? God's only son. Jesus came first to the Jews, but even though the entire history of the Jews pointed towards him coming, the moment when the Messiah would come, many didn't even recognize him. The world still refuses to recognize Jesus today, doesn't it? It's still like, no, we're not going to follow that way. We're going to do it our own way, especially as it pertains to sex. So much of what we see around us comes to, uh, when it comes to sex, flies right in the face of God and God's view of it, that it's good and right. And yet the world doesn't acknowledge that what it advocates is wrong and undesirable. So we know about rivalries in our culture um, so let's think about a couple good ones. I think we know of one here in good old Alabama, don't we? And then, uh, do we know uh, were any rivalries here, Ryan Burnett? Yeah, he's looking at his hoodie. He's like, yeah, I'll wear it. Anybody got some Alabama gear on in here today? Jeff, he didn't have it today, huh? <laughs> we got Alabama to Auburn. That's a big rivalry. I'm a big Kansas City fan. Chiefs, 
the Broncos, we call them the donkeys. That's how much we don't even like them. We're just like, we're just going that way. We don't even call them Broncos. Um, you got the universe? Sorry? The uni Sorry, I know you're from Colorado, buddy. I apologize. I love you guys. I love you people. <laughs> just I like the Broncos. I like the Steelers anyway. You like the Steelers anyway. Okay. You got the University of Michigan and Ohio State, the Red Sox and the Yankees, Liverpool and Manchester United. Did you all know that was a big robbery? That's soccer, for those of you who didn't know. Um, you got other robberies. They're like cats and dogs. I'm a cat person. I'm a dog person. Which one's easier to take care of? Which one will come back to you no matter how many times you throw them out of the house? <laughs> uh, Coke and Pepsi. Who's a Coke person in here? Oh, that's a lot. Who's Pepsi? Who just is water? Just all water. <laughs> you like Pepsi, Cindy? What's up? Okay, I do too. I like Coke Zero and Pepsi Zero, so that's where I'm at. What about iPhone users? Who's an iPhone? Who's Android? Ah, uh, that's been going on forever, right? That whole thing, iPhone versus Android, which is better? Android usually has stuff first, and Apple doesn't we should do that now. <laughs> is that right? I love my Apple phone, that's what I use. I'm using an iPad. Pop music versus country music. I'm a country fan, I can't stand country music, so you get those kinds of folks, right? The funny thing about rivalries is how different the two sides are from each other, or at least how different they perceive themselves to be. You can't casually be on one side of a big robbery, can you? You guys pick a side. I don't know, I've been told that since I've moved here when I was 11 years old. You gotta be Auburn, you gotta be Alabama. And you know what Sarah said when we got married? Going for Alabama. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I became a big Bama fan. Um, that was when I was about 21. Uh, you can't casually just pick a side. You choose your side knowingly, identifying strongly with one side and strongly against the other. The world's ways and God's ways are just like that. You're either on one side or the other. If you play the middle, you usually are going to fall to one side. It's usually the wrong one. That's the way that works. An epic robbery that has played out for thousands and thousands of years and will continue to do so until Christ returns. The difference between this robbery and the ones we just talked about, like sports ones, is that there is life and death importance involved with being on the right side. If I root for Alabama, it doesn't change if I'm going to heaven or not. Amen? Yeah. If I root for Auburn, it does not matter. But if I'm choosing what side of the line I'm on when it comes to sex and sexuality, that is a big life-changing decision that we would make. Because of God, because we're God's children, and this, uh, let's see, uh, because we're God's children, we are identified with him and not the world. We must pattern our own morals and actions after God's character. So point number two, as Christ followers, we must choose to follow God's ways or the world's ways. We can't do both. If you guys could uh, turn to James 4.4, and I will have these on here, but I want you guys to find them on your own too. Uh, I want you to highlight them on your phones. Uh, if you have the Bible app, I'd love to see that. And then also, um, have them in your Bibles. Know how to find this when you turn in your paper copy of your Bible, which I have been doing since I was younger than you guys. And it helps me now, even that I'm older, to know where to find things in the Bible. So if you're there in James 4, 4, say amen. 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 All right, this is James 4, 4. That's how it starts. Go ahead and pull it up, Lucas. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or that you're against, on the other side, against God? 
Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This passage describes the tension between the fact that we live in this world, a world that is mostly opposed to God and his ways, but we must choose to follow Christ. So what does James mean when he talks about loving the world? We love the world through our actions and our attitudes. We love the world when we identify with the world and its values and views. The only thing that we can't love both the world around us and God is that we can't do that. We can't love both the world and God at the same time. It's not possible. That's biblical right there. When we adopt the world's views on sex and sexuality, when we engage in sex outside of marriage, when we listen to songs or watch movies or videos that are sexually charged or graphic, we are acting as if, though, we are a friend of this world. Another Bible verse. Let's go to Colossians 3, 5. We're Bible hopping here. How are you guys uh, going with this so far? Is it still a little awkward for you? Or are you guys like, this is good stuff. I need to hear this. Colossians 3, 3 5. Yes, sir. Colossians 3, 5. Thanks for asking. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Put to death, man. That's like, that's serious, right? It's like, get rid of it completely. Don't have anything to do with these things. Paul addresses this very thing. Paul makes the distinction between the things of this earth, which is another way of talking about the concept of the world and the things of God. And among the list of things that he identifies as worldly, right there in that verse, is sexual impurity and lust. It's clear we have to be diligent in choosing to follow God's way when it comes to sex and sexuality and not the world's ways. There's an interesting question that we can ask of James' words in James 4.4. 4. Why not? Why can't we love the world and God? So we're kind of hopping back to that James 4.4 4 verse again that says to, basically tells us that we cannot love the world. Friendship with the world means enmity against God. Imagine you and your friends are riding together to go grab a bite for dinner. As you're leaving, you say to your friend, oh, I know the best restaurant, the best way. Turn right. Let's go right. We'll get there. But your friend looks at you like you're crazy. Turn left, you mean. Left is definitely the best way. The two of you share your respective opinions on why each other's way is not the best way. After a few minutes, you reach no conclusion. So you divide the car in half down the middle... One of you goes right, and the other one goes left. That's how it works, right? Does that make sense? So yeah, if you do that, we'll just flip the car right down the middle, right? Knox, Knox is like, yeah. Of course this isn't how that works. The idea that you can split a car in half and go two different directions is absurd. Everyone knows this defies the laws of physics. You can't go two different directions at once. In our little imaginary scenario, someone had to give in. The car had to go one way. Or the other. Or go straight. If not, it would simply sit there. You'd never get to dinner. The same is true with our lives. We can't follow God's ways and the world's ways. If we try, we go nowhere. We go nowhere. Are you all listening with me so far? Growing up, uh, when I was, uh, man, I was younger than you guys, some of you. Uh, and then your age, some of you guys the same age. But I remember this growing up. Um, it was a big deal for record labels, um, when they would see Christian artists getting really popular, and they're like, man, you could be really good if you stop saying Jesus' name in your music. Right? We're, 
Christians. That's who we sing about. It's Jesus, right? So isn't, isn't that a little crazy? So they, would, they were told to sell out their faith. They may say the word you instead of Jesus. But then you couldn't tell, is this a love song to your girl? Or is this a love song to Jesus? I don't know. I'm confused. So it was hard to tell if it was a crush or Jesus. So there were artists that rode the fence, and they tried to please both sides. I still remember some of those artists. I won't name their names. Um, but they, like, they tried to go Christian and then non-Christian and ended up pleasing neither because they were just kind of right in the middle. And one side's like, you're not nasty enough for us. And the other side's, you're not faith-based enough. So you just kind of like, it was wishy-washy, lukewarm, yuck. <laughs> it's basically what it was. So since you're not picking one side or the other, you kind of end up in the middle and no one liked you. They tried to play both sides. Songs, but I like these songs growing up. I'm going to list a few of them here. Songs like Not Ashamed, Shine, Jesus is Just Alright, Alien Youth, The Messenger. I can sing some of these for you guys if you want me to. Step Up to the Microphone, Some Kind of Zombie, God Shaped Whole, Not For Sale, Addicted to Jesus, Secret, If Loving God Was a Crime, I'd Be an Outlaw. There's a God, Take Me to Your Leader, God Is Not a Secret, and Jesus Freak. Were about not being afraid to stand up for Jesus. So many others made it clear when they would sing those songs, hey, we're not ashamed to say the name of Jesus in our music because that's who we're here to please. We're not playing both sides because either you're one or the other. You're in or you're out. You can't be in the world and be a huge follower of Jesus too. It doesn't work. Those were my favorite songs growing up. Those were because of how much they talked about my faith and encouraged me. Yes, even some kind of zombie did it. God doesn't provide us with the option of doing it our way or the world's way. To live as Christ followers, we have to actually follow Christ. Funny how that works out, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, we have to follow Christ. We know from experience, we know from experience that this truth leads to tough choices. But this final point right here should give you great hope. Number three, standing against the world may be a challenge. You got that for me, Lucas? Standing against the world may be a challenge, but you're not alone. And in the end, you win. That's our third point today. So we're going back to 1 John, this, this time 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. And I'm reading this one out of the New American Standard. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. This is a verse I pray when somebody says, man, I'm going through this, Josiah. I'm, I'm going to court to try to get something resolved. I'm trying, I'm trying to pray uh, through this tough situation I'm in in my house. I have this job interview. I have this friend I'm dealing with. I've got to confront somebody. And I'm always saying that you're never alone because of this awesome verse right here. You are from God. I like little children. These are older folks too. It's not kids. But he's talking about them. We're the children of God. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Oh, that's so good. No matter where you go, you have something inside of you that is greater than anything. And when it says that he who is in the world, who's that he? Who's, this? who's the second he? Because we got to... It's, probably, it's all in caps up here, but you got the first he, and then you got the other he. Who's the first he? Greater is he who is in you. Who's that he? Jesus. Who's the second he? The devil. So greater is he, Jesus, who is in you than the devil who is in the world. Amen? Who's in you tonight? Who is in you tonight? That is a question you have to ask yourself. 
And in verse 5 says, They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. John is assuring Christ followers that though it is a challenge, ultimately anyone who has come to saving faith in Christ will ultimately win out. The Bible tells us that Jesus has fought our battles for us. Hallelujah! You don't have to have the burden of feeling like you're against everyone else. Sure, you may be the only one of your friends who stands up for what they believe in when it comes to sex. When it comes to sex. But Jesus says, don't worry, I've got this. They should give us all incredible hope and comforts. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was that person who was alone growing up who would say, uh, I'm not doing this. I don't live that way. That's not how I'm going to be. And people would ask me, well, then, are you this way? Are you that way? Why don't you do it? Is there something wrong with you? I was like, no, I follow Jesus. I'm like, oh, well, I do too. I'm like, okay. I'm not saying you didn't. <laughs> I'm just saying, this is the reason I'm not going to do those things. And I was, I'm very blessed to say, Sarah is the only woman that I've ever done those things with. Hallelujah. And she, for me, and that is a blessing. That is a blessing. Okay, and you, all of you, had that opportunity to save yourself for that one special person. Every single one of you. I pray that for my kids. Yes, they're in here. Yeah, I pray that for my kids, all of them, that God saves them and protects their sexuality and their virginity until they are married. Period. And that is the same. I pray for every single one of you in here today. Amen? And I need you to pray that for yourself. And I need your parents to pray that for you guys. Every single one of you. And you, you, if you looked around this room right now, look around the room. Go ahead, look at, look at the folks in this room. Every single one of you can stand together and not stand alone. Every single one of you. You say, oh, well, it's a lonely place to be. Maybe at school or maybe out in the world, but you should be able to look around and say, hey, I know Caleb Harvey. He's a Christian. He stands for Jesus. That's my bro. That's somebody I can stand with. I can stand with Savannah Monell. I can stand with Eli Cantrell. I can stand with anybody and know that I have a brother and a sister in Christ right now. And I'm not alone. Amen? Amen. Amen. I know y'all believe it. I know y'all see that. The Bible taught us that Jesus fought our battles for us. I'm about to wrap this up and then we're going to do a... Yeah, we're going to have a game for you. He has gone ahead of us. And in the end, we know that Jesus prevailed. It can be really, really tough to make a stand for your faith, but God promises to be with you. You're not alone because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen. That should give you incredible comfort. Be the one that stands up and says, I will not give in and compromise my beliefs. Y'all, that's why it's on all, all the shirts we do is no compromise. It's about three teenage boys in Daniel chapter 3. There were, everybody was told to bow to this literal idol that was 90 feet tall, overlaid in gold. And they were like, dudes, we're not bowing. And they stood. Do you think they stood out? And they were together. And they got thrown into a fiery furnace. And you know what they told the king? They said, you, I don't know if God's going to save us. But he has the power to. But either way, we're not bowing to that idol. Tossed them in. Did they burn? No, they didn't. Didn't even smell like smoke. And it was so hot, the dudes throwing them in died. They burned up. But not the people that followed Jesus. And the ones, and, and the king looked in the furnace and saw a fourth person in there. Jesus himself showed up. Look, that gives me chills. Because he stood. He, they stood. Jesus stood with them. Now, sometimes if you were to die for standing up for your faith, 
Hallelujah. You're going to heaven. Like, how did you get here? I stood up for Jesus and I got killed. Boom. <laughs> you can't scare a Christian with heaven. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Amen. That, that makes me, I don't want to die until it's my time. Okay. And I don't know when that is. But if I do go and somebody was like, dude, it's too strong for Jesus. He needs to be taken out. If Jesus said that's my time, then I would go. Because that's the best way to go. I guess, what, 30 years left? <laughs> Is that morbid? I'm sorry, Jason. I'm like, I'm 40. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, God, whenever you want, whenever my time is here, and I will work my tail off until that time. I want to fight the fight. What you got? I said life expectancy has grown. Okay, 75. <laughs> so I will not conform to this world's standards. I will stand with my friends that I see standing up for Jesus and his words. I will stand firm against sin on the words of Jesus. I will stand with Jesus. Because when you stand up, you'll look around. I've already said this. You'll see others standing up and you'll realize that Jesus and you and the others are not alone. Be become a waiter for Jesus. Not a waiter like a clock watcher, but a server of Jesus. And when you serve Jesus, he can bless you with another waiter or waitress. Ah, in this case, yes! Amen. I'm getting hot. All right, so I, I got a story to read to you guys here. Um, and this is, before I get to that, uh, John 16, 33 says this. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. He just told the disciples all the crazy stuff that was going to happen in the world. He said, but here on earth you will have many trials. As a Christian, we will have trials. But Jesus says, take heart. That means be happy. Take courage. Don't worry, because I have overcome the world, because that's who I am. Amen? John 16, 33. That should be one of your favorite verses. You can always say, God, it's tough out here. Jesus is like, take heart. I've overcome all of those things today. Amen? Amen. All right. There's a, a story of a Kenyan marathoner named Jacqueline Kip Limo. I'm going to put the name up there. Hold the picture, though, for me, Lucas. Uh, if you like to... Uh, basically... She was a, a runner in China, a marathon runner. In 2010, she was running the Zing Kai Marathon. Any marathon runners in here? Uh, she was running that marathon when she noticed a disabled runner having trouble hydrating himself. At the time, Kip Limo, Jacqueline Kip Limo, was in a group of five women who were all in contention to win the marathon. What she did next was extremely selfless. Seeing the disabled runner struggling to hydrate himself, Kip Limo stayed with the runner for what some reports say was over a mile. Show that picture for me now, Lucas. As this picture shows, Kip Limo enabled her fellow runner to continue to run despite his disabilities. I don't see hands. She's staying with him and holding that drink for him. Despite his disabilities, in a sport where time is everything, she allowed him to continue running. Even though her generosity cost her, she would finish in second place and lose roughly $10,000 in prize money. She said in repeated interviews that she wouldn't do anything differently if she had a chance to do it again. Running a marathon, I've never done it, is one of the most challenging tasks an, in an individual can do. For this courageous Chinese runner, this guy over here, the task was made even more difficult by his disabilities. But in his moment of need, he was helped by, out by the kindness of a fellow runner. When it comes to the difficult task of standing up for our faith, we don't have to do it alone. We have help 
God is with us. And my goodness, so is your youth group, and so is your church, and so are your parents, and so is your pastors, and all, any other family member that supports that. So I want to challenge you guys to make the most of this lesson tonight. Take something from this and say, I, hey, I'm not alone. I have Jesus inside of me. I don't want to be a friend of the world. I want to be a friend of God. Who wants to be a friend of God? You don't have to raise your hand. But think about that in your heart. Whose friend would you rather be? Who's going to be there for you when you have trials and troubles? And then maybe nobody's around. Because sometimes you may be alone. Jesus is with you and you're never alone. So when you're alone and you have those moments, he's watching you too. When you have those lustful moments, when you're tempted to do things that you should wait until you stand up on a podium or in a, anywhere that you want to get married at, and that dude or the boo is on the other side, and you say, they, there's, there's someone reading a whole bunch of vows, and you say a whole bunch of I do's, or however you do it. After you say that, and you put a, a hopefully a ring, you may do, I have a tattoo band, but I have my ring at home. Whatever you do, after that, because God is saying, okay, these people have made it right before God. This is two adults who have said yes to me. They've said yes to the ways I've said it. Then, sex is okay. Until then, it is not. That's, that's it. That's sexual immorality, is having sex with somebody that you're not married to. Period. That's it. Broke it down. That's easy. So when the world says, yeah, it's okay. There's that, there's safe sex. There's ways to do these things. No. That's, that's the world. That's not what God says. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that's okay. Stay pure to your marriage because I'm a testimony to that. And so is my wife. It is the best thing that you can do. Amen? Amen? I'm encouraging that. Now you say, well, what if people that have not done that? What's, there's forgiveness. There's redemption. But you can never get back that peace again. It's, all, it's gone forever. It's gone forever. But Jesus can redeem anything. One of my favorite things to tell anyone here, one of my favorite quotes is, is uh, go ahead and put that up for me, Lucas. Run as fast as you can towards Jesus. If someone keeps up, introduce yourself. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to close this in prayer. Then we're going to do a review here. Uh, and Lucas, can you put the first one, uh, put the first thing on the screen for me? Yes.